country on earth in shambles. Bill Gates already mapping out the next pandemic. The medical profession by law prevented from telling patients the truth. How do we survive this? Well, we the people stand up and stop taking it. We win at the ballot box and we do that by getting the truth out into public ears. TNN, the Truth News Network. And your warrior at the gate is Dan Newman. My dad told me a long time ago, anything worth doing is worth doing right and that means if you're going to put your shoulder to the plow make sure you've got the mule hooked up to the plow (laughs) Uh, that meant a whole lot to me (laughs) I never I never knew what a mule was and I certainly hadn't seen a manual plow all that being said we're in a situation today where we must put our shoulders to the plow Let me just put it this way. Whatever it is that's good, whatever it is that needs to be done, we're living in a world in which if we want it to be done, we're the ones that are going to have to do it. So what am I saying this morning? Put your shoulder to the plow, whatever field in your life needs to be plowed, and just do it. Oh, Okay, that sounds like a Nike commercial. Just do it, whatever it is, whatever needs to be done. We live in a world now where nobody wants responsibility. Nobody wants to be the person that has to lead, the person that has to do. But our world is full of followers, isn't it? Everybody wants something, but very few people are willing to work to get it. Give me something, mister. That's the mantra that happens in this season, Mardi Gras season, down in New Orleans. Those throngs of humans that just flood these parades all during the Mardi Gras season. Their mantra, talking to the people up on these floats in the parades, throw me something, mister. That's kind of the world in which we find ourselves today, isn't it? Good morning to you. Oh, by the way, happy Valentine's Day. Guys, whatever you do, don't forget. Do something. Don't wait till after work. Get on the phone or get somebody in your office. If your wife doesn't have uh, any messages sent to you about what she would like, get somebody that probably knows your wife or knows at least what your wife would like. Get it done. Don't make the mistake of coming home empty-handed. Now, at the Newman household, there's a double whammy for Valentine's Day. We got married on Valentine's Day 48 years ago. 48 years ago. And it was a a funny wedding. I got to be honest with you, small group One of my longtime best friends was my best man. His wife was Marianne's, whatever they call them. Um, We got married at my boss's home, a mansion. And you're going to love this. I was the new car sales manager at McHale Ford Lincoln Mercury in Ruston, Louisiana. And this was back, well, in the 70s. The Mercury Cougar was out, and it was a huge seller. Well, our dealer decided uh, 
he was going to take that to the nth degree. So they got a pet cougar. Merck was the name of that cougar. And in our wedding pictures, the ministers up there giving us our vows, Glenn and Debbie, uh, those best man and what is it, maid of honor? We were standing there and standing, excuse me, sitting next to me was Merck the Cougar. (laughs) She was in the pictures. And I had my hand down, scratching her on her head. Long time ago, we did a lot of things then that we would never think about doing now. Whoever you are, you got somebody that's special, you love them, show them. Don't just tell them, show them that you love them. You're probably asking me, Dan, what are you doing for Marianne? Well, I'm not going to tell you because I'm pretty sure she's listening to the show. But nevertheless, we go out a lot. I mean, it's just the two of us. So we decided last night, we're not going to go out tonight. We're just going to cook steaks and just sit back and relax and probably reminisce about our 48 years, all of wedded bliss, all of it, no problems, no heartaches, no issues. Well, there were none of those that we couldn't work through, obviously, because we've been married for 48 years. So what we're going to do tonight is hang out right here, right here at our love shack. (laughs) If you see a faded sign at the side of the
know, it seems like yesterday that uh, that song came out, the B-52s. I guess basically that's a medley of their hit. Wasn't much else out there, but boy, when it hit the music world, it was hot. It was a dance song. It was gleeful. Everybody loved it. All that was wonderful. But you know what the biggest thing about this song was? When they paused there at the end and the girl screams at the top of her lungs, everybody was like, what is she saying? You know the part I'm talking about? Let me just play that again. You know what she said? Listen one more time. Turn your volume up. I want you to hear it. Here we go. What she said was tin roof rusted. And of course, she's talking about the love shack. The roof's rusted. (laughs) Why would that be such a big deal? Anyway, don't we as Americans make everything a big deal? I mean, look at our politicians. If they couldn't generate a big controversy about anything, they refuse to talk about it. You've got to be able to turn everything into a tool to use against your political opponents and also be able to go out and raise a campaign dollar or two talking about it. I don't know how long it's been since I just got some straight up news coming out of Washington, D.C. Every story that's published, every interview that's held, everything I read, everything I listen to in the back of my mind while I'm reading or listening to that interview, I'm saying, so what's really going on? It cannot be what they're saying in this interview or what was written in this article. It's got to be more to it. And you know what? Almost every time, if not every time, there's a lot more to it. In fact, that's one reason why we're here at Truth News Network and TNN Live is to ferret out the truths for you. And that's what we do every day. Sadly, up in Michigan, Michigan State University, East Lansing, I've been there. Nice little college town. The gunman in a shooting, age 43. He killed three Michigan State students, injured five, despite having no connection to the school. He was arrested back in 2019 for keeping a loaded gun in his car. Ethan Crumbly is his name. He killed four kids at Oxford High School. Congresswoman Elise Slotkin, she fumed at having to go to a podium again so soon after the Oxford tragedy where four students were killed. I cannot believe I'm here again doing this 15 months later. I'm filled with rage that we have to have another press conference about our kids being killed in schools. Before the congresswoman spoke, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer said, we cannot keep living like this. Now, I gave you the wrong name. That name, Ethan Crumbly, 
was the guy who killed four kids at Oxford High School last year. The shooter at Michigan State, 43-year-old Anthony McRae. Records show a man with the same name who lives in Lansing who has a 2019 arrest for keeping a loaded gun in his car. We just told you that. But it's, it's really Anthony McRae. He lived alone with his father. His mother had already passed away. So counting among the survivors of last night's shooting are children who escaped crumbly just 15 months ago. Andrea Ferguson's daughter is in her first semester at Michigan State. She's sheltered in place. I never expected in my lifetime to have to experience two school shootings. There's several kids that our daughter's friends with that are going through the same thing. It was like reliving Oxford all over again. Jennifer Mancini is another parent whose daughter was caught up in both shootings. She said, Mom, I hear gunshots. What's going on? The gunman in last night's attack was named this morning Anthony McRae, 43 years old. No known ties to the school. It remains unclear what his motive for the shooting is or what kind of weapon he used. The victim's names, not released yet. And i got to be honest with you, their names really don't matter in this. What matters is another school shooting. People dying at school. There is something wrong, seriously wrong with that mindset, living anywhere in the United States of America. So what about this guy, McCray? Security camera showed him wearing a jean jacket, a ball cap, red tennis shoes, wandering nonchalantly among uh, down a street, having just shot up two separate locations on campus. He just walked into an academic building named Berkeley Hall, Berkey Hall, at 818 last night, blasting indiscriminately at the occupants. Two died at the scene. Three others sustained serious injuries. Cops descended on the scene in response to a torrent of urgent 911 calls. But the killer, he'd already left, heading west out of the building, skulking along campus roads as he was looking for other victims. Less than 15 minutes later, gunshots were reported at the Michigan State Union Building, a popular spot for students to eat, drink, and study. It's just 10 minute, 10 minute walk from Berkey Hall. One more person was killed at the MSU Union. Two more were injured. Chris Roseman, who's the interim deputy chief of Michigan State, said, we have no idea why he came to campus. He was not affiliated in any way with Michigan State. He's not faculty, and he's certainly not a student at Michigan State. These details from a television station in Michigan just minutes ago. With breaking news, the suspect in a shooting at Michigan State University is dead this morning. Police say he shot himself, but not before killing at least three people and injuring several more. Yeah, the shooting began late last night. It took place at separate locations on that campus in East Lansing. ABC's Ike Jachi has the overnight details. This morning, a tragedy on the campus of Michigan State University. We're getting reports of multiple victims for an active shooter. 
Police say a gunman killed at least three people and wounding several others in a mass shooting on the campus of MSU. Investigators say the shooting began at Berkey Hall on the north side of campus. Students barricading themselves inside classrooms as the gunshots rang out. I'm still beyond shook up. I mean, my legs are still still shaking. Dominic Malotki was in a class at the time. The shooter came in our room and shot three to four times. Once he shot those rounds, we waited about 30 seconds to a minute, um, and it was silent. So uh, we started breaking open one of the windows. Students seen frantically fleeing the area on foot, frightened and fearful. Run! I see these people running in my direction, and I sprint. I'm jumping down flights of stairs. Everyone's freaked out. Everyone's terrified. And I, it's a lot. It's a lot. Shortly later, another shooting. Police confirming more victims at another building on campus, the MSU Union. Investigators releasing new pictures of the suspect entering that building. A 43-year-old man who police described as shorter in stature, wearing distinct red sneakers. The manhunt coming to an end after midnight. It does appear that that suspect has uh, died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. And it comes as today marks the fifth anniversary of the mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Florida. Police believe there was only one suspect in this shooting with the motive unclear. This is now the 67th mass shooting this year, almost two a day. Ike Jachi, ABC News, Washington. Police say all five surviving victims are still in critical condition this morning. It is too early to release the names of any of the victims or to know if they had any connections to that suspect. Now, there is no longer a threat on campus and the shelter in place order is lifted. Still, the university has canceled classes for 48 hours as an investigation continues. Students do come have to come to grips now with what they've seen around them. So we're going to keep you updated with any further details when they come in. You just can't explain these kind of horrors when they happen. Almost every time, it's somebody that's just really messed up. Maybe they have mental issues. Maybe they just are very emotional. They've got things going on in their lives that uh, have just pushed them to the brink. Maybe like this guy, I guarantee you sometime yesterday, it went through his mind that he's going out. He's going to take himself out. But then he said, you know what? Why don't I just go down and a little bit of, Glory, I'll get my name on TV. And the way to do that, go to a school and shoot up the school before you turn the gun on yourself. One more thing before we leave this story. I want to make this point very clear. No gun kills anybody. Guns don't kill. People choose to pick up guns and use them to kill. And for those of you that are listening in today and you are an anti-Second Amendment supporter, let me just point something out to you. Last year, well, not last year, 2021, that's the last complete year that the FBI has put out their crime statistics. More people were killed, murdered, in 2021 with hammers than were murdered by somebody shooting them. I know doing away with hammers is not a glorious thing. 
trying to get rid of guns and taking control of people in that area. That's a big glorified thing. So people want to talk more about that. If you want to talk about killing people, it doesn't matter how somebody decides to take another person's life. If they used a hammer, if they used a gun or a broom handle and they cut the end of the bloom, uh, the groom handle into a point, it doesn't matter. All that matters, somebody took the lives of other people. It's hard to explain those kind of horrors, but the very first family that ever lived in world history, remember that? Adam and Eve had two sons. The oldest was Cain. The youngest was Seth. Cain murdered his brother. So murder's been with us for a long, long time, hasn't it? So let's just move on. Let's just get into some of the other things that we have to talk about. Don't forget it's Tuesday. Our buddy from up east, Steve Baker, will be joining us at the top of the next hour. Uh, We communicate every week the night before we're going to get together and do this and start throwing around things that we want to discuss when we get together on Tuesday. There's a plethora out there of things to talk about. We can talk about Balloon Gate, and I'm sure we will. We can also talk about the chemical slash rail derailments that have happened. I mean, it's spooky how many have happened this year. We're going to get into that. And, of course, we're going to talk about a little bit of the leftover stuff on January 6th, the fact that it came out overnight You remember those groups that we were warned, those evil MAGA Republicans were going to come to D.C. prior to January 6th. They told us, Proud Boys, Oath Keepers are going to be there. They're coming loaded, armed for bear. There will be mass shootings at the Capitol that day. We were told that for weeks and weeks. After the fact, not so much. But guess what just came out yesterday? Proud Boys... They were set up prior to January 6th, and there was information planted in the public domain predicting and talking about acting like these people were part of Proud Boys, and it was manufactured. And guess who manufactured that information that just slipped out to the media world? I'm not going to tell you who, but we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more in the second hour with Steve Baker. If you joined us late, it's your Valentine's Day. It's my Valentine's Day and my 48th Valentine's Day with Marianne. We were married on Valentine's Day 48 years ago. So I know you left and you're not here. I'm assuming you're listening Marianne, thank you for 48 years. I love you. I couldn't do better than you. You could most certainly have done better than me. But for some reason, for 48 through thick and thin, we've stuck it out. And I want to thank you for doing that with us. We have three amazing children, six more amazing grandchildren, and everybody's doing good. 
we're blessed. And by the way, all six of our grandchildren live within five miles of our house. So we're together quite often. That's another big blessing. Guys, again, make sure you make Valentine's Day special and special in a good way for your bride. I promise you. Well, what else is going on today? Oh, nothing. Not much. (laughs) This morning, very early, story came out of the UK, dailymail.com, one of my favorite news sources. I got to be honest with you, we get a lot of news here from them about stuff happening here before the U.S. news agencies get on top of it. The head of the government's UFO office, I didn't even know we had one, but we do. And this head of the UFO office warned us of the potentially ubiquitous presence of unidentified anomalous phenomena. Wow, UAP, flying over U.S. airspace. This guy warned about it, seen a Sean Kirkpatrick. He warned us to be looking for this just weeks before that first spy balloon and three other suspicious objects were shot down by American jets. There's a slide deck that was made available yesterday from a presentation by Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick who's the director of the Department of Defense's All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. All these these offices that have these letter names. And this was in a conference he was speaking at on January 11th. Kirkpatrick's presentation that warned us of threats to the immediate safety of U.S. citizens and government facilities and said that the military are finding unidentified anomalous phenomena most often in the vicinity of U.S. military facilities and operating areas. Is that not spooky to you? I mean, he predicted it was going to happen in the upcoming weeks and months. Bam! That's exactly what happened. So those comments of his have taken on a new urgency following the takedown by Sidewander missile of four objects that entered our airspace over the past two weeks. Now, I'll just give you a little reminiscent look. The first was identified by our officials as a 200-foot Chinese spy balloon carrying aboard surveillance equipment the size of a jetliner. It was shot out of the sky off South Carolina on February 4th. The other three, UAPs, got to learn that because that's going to be like UFOs. UAPs, that's government speak for what most of us call UFOs, were taken down over far northern Alaska, Canada's Yukon Territory, and Lake Huron up by Michigan. These three similar objects remain officially unidentified. And in a press conference Sunday, U.S. Air Force General Glenn Van Herc said the military had not ruled out an extraterrestrial origin. Though our intelligence officials say they're highly skeptical of that. Now, now, hold on, hold on. 
Think this, what I just told you. Think it through. A general, an Air Force general, by the way, Glenn Van Herc, he said the military had not ruled out a UFO, an extraterrestrial origin for these three objects. Does any of that sound a little peculiar to you? One would think that the United States intelligence community in cahoots with our military, they could tell us anything about everything, especially things that are in the air. That's our specialty. That's their specialty. And this general is out there saying, basically, hey, we don't have a clue. We don't know anything about it. It could be a UFO. The general said, we're calling them objects, not balloons, for a reason. Adding, the Air Force is unsure how the three objects stayed aloft as their propulsion systems are currently unknown. Ooh, UFO. We don't know what energy they used to fly. So the slides that came out of that presentation or from Kirkpatrick's presentation on UAP that was given to the Transportation Research Board of the National Academy of Science, Engineering, and Medicine, January 11th in D.C. It focused on how AARO, and that's that academy name I just gave you, how they are working with other agencies to ensure unidentified anomalous objects are effectively and efficiently detected, tracked, analyzed, and managed, and called on civilian pilots to help by reporting strange sightings in the sky. I saw an interesting little tidbit yesterday. I forget what social media site it was on. But it was a guy driving down the road, and he came on and said, Hey, 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 I've been following this UFO for almost 35 minutes. I've been following it down the road. I'm going to watch it and figure out what it is. And it shows the picture of him driving in his car, and he's got his iPhone, I guess. The camera pointed up at the sky, and sure enough, there's that one of them. Looks like a balloon just floating along. But then he realized the balloon was just a spot on his windshield. (laughs) I wonder how many UFOs through our history have been found to be nothing more than a spot on a windshield. Uh, guys, th- this in, in the context of the life in the United States today, nothing, none of this surprises me. I mean, it's like we have DocuGate, we have BalloonGate, we've got a president that hasn't one time, we've had four of these things happen that are really big incidents. By the way, the one that happened the the latest over Lake Huron, the fighter jet that went to take it out, he missed with the first missile. Oh my gosh, that's a million dollars gone to waste. How does a guided missile miss something? It's not supposed to happen. Technologically, we're so far advanced from any other military on the the globe, we're told. We shouldn't miss like that. Money's no object when 
it's not coming out of your pocket directly. That's the way all our government officials think and operate their lives, isn't it? One of the things Steve Baker and I are going to talk about is all of this stuff. It's everywhere. It is absolutely everywhere. Other big news today, well, I won't tell you what it is. We're going to let Morning Joe, Morning Joe, Joe Scarborough, tell you what came up today. 23 past the hour, breaking news moments ago, the 2024 Republican presidential field doubled with former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley tweeting this video. Republicans have lost the popular vote in seven out of the last eight presidential elections. That has to change. Joe Biden's record is abysmal, but that shouldn't come as a surprise. The Washington establishment has failed us over and over and over again. It's time for a new generation of leadership to rediscover fiscal responsibility, secure our border, and strengthen our country, our pride, and our purpose. Some people look at America and see vulnerability. The socialist left sees an opportunity to rewrite history. China and Russia are on the march. They all think we can be bullied, kicked around. You should know this about me. I don't put up with bullies. And when you kick back, it hurts them more if you're wearing heels. I'm Nikki Haley, and I'm running for president. Ah, That was kind of a cute little uh, introductory video. You're going to hear a whole lot more from her. If you don't know who she is, former South Carolina governor, former UN ambassador, and uh, she's been close to and a very big backer through all of the stuff that Donald Trump had to deal with. She was a confidant. She was right there with him. There was a lot of speculation uh, before it looked like she was going to run for president that she would have been a good vice president to be on the ticket with Donald Trump or even Ron DeSantis. A lot of speculation out there. Let me just say this one thing. She's got three chits that most of us don't have. Number one, she's a woman of color. Now, you may not know that, but she's Indian, Native American. That's number one. Number two, she's a she. And number three, She's young. Now, all I have to say as we go forward, Nikki Haley, if she expects to become the next president and beats whoever the Democrats throw up, and by the way, whoever the Republicans choose in the primaries, she's going to have to come to the table with a whole lot more than that. And the fact that uh, she wears high heels. And I'm not being a sexist. I'm just saying... We live in a world now, we live in a nation now where people in this nation are screaming for substance instead of symbolism. And yes, she is female. Yes, she is young. Yes, she is Native American and has been a governor, was governor of South Carolina and was United Nations ambassador. We get all that. What have you done for me lately? 
That, my friends, is what every American, every American expects now from everybody that wants to serve us in Washington, D.C., especially serving us from the White House. Much, much more ahead. We're making way. We're just 20 minutes away from Steve Baker joining us. You don't want to miss this day. Hey, it's Garrett. The Poland Spring brand wants to provide more than 100% natural spring water, and they want to make a difference. That's why they're rescuing millions of pounds of plastic and transforming them into new bottles that are 100% recycled. You can join them by pledging to recycle your bottle, and for each pledge, Poland Spring will donate safe, clean drinking water to local communities in need. Go to PolandSpring.com forward slash pledge to find out more. Select sizes only 20 up 700 milliliter, 1 liter, and 1.5 liter size bottles. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring $6.49 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just $6.49. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. Holidays abroad. Can we? Can't we? But then we thought, should we? Staycation! We could share a year. Please, no. Luckily, we've picked British Airways holidays. Small deposit and can change if we need to. Decision made. Moonlight skinny dipping. (laughs) We've booked St. Lucia. Two weeks. Did you? Why didn't we? Ah, clever you. British Airways holidays. At all protected. It's time for a new year, a new you, and a new Volkswagen. Stop by D-Patrick today and check out our entire lineup. Like the spacious Atlas with room for everyone, or the not-so-compact compact SUV, the Tiguan, and the always popular Jetta and Passat. At D-Patrick, we have a Volkswagen for every budget and every lifestyle. Check out all the Volkswagen models available at dpat.com. Make this year the best year in a new Volkswagen from D-Patrick on Green River Road. Well, there are some economic numbers that just came out this morning. You will be glad to know our president is just hanging right in there, finding new ways to cost you and me money. Oh my gosh, what is going on? Consumer Price Index, CPI. What is it? It measures what you and I pay for goods and services, and it throws everything into the mix. It went up half a percent in January compared with the month earlier. It went up by one-tenth of a percent in December after rising two-tenths in November. Previous months, listen closely to what I'm about to tell you. The Biden Treasury Department, they released these numbers. And the previous months have been revised upward from earlier reports that had the index falling 0.1% in December, rising 0.1% in November. So put it in context, the last year, the CPI is up 6.4%. 
Ooh, that's way down from 6.5% in December and 7.1% in November. Now, what they like to do when they give us these reports is to carve out some of the things to make it look a little better. Core prices is what they want you to think about. What is that? It's a, a measure that excludes food and energy prices. That way it's supposed to be, well, you know, those food and energy costs, they're very flexible. Well, yeah, right, but they're flexible, and you and I got to pay the, the, the piper when the, all those go up. And they did. They rose a half a point compared with December. So the gauge of food prices up half a percent, grocery prices up 0.4% compared with a year ago, food at home. The prices are up uh, 11.3%. Energy index rose 2% compared with December. Gas prices rose 2.4%. Now, wait a minute. Uncle Joe told us, I'm bringing the cost of gasoline at the pump down. Nope. Up 2.4%. Compare that with a year ago, energy prices are up 9%. So what does all this mean? It's exactly opposite of what this president has been telling us. Costs are still going up. Inflation is still going up. It is not under control, and there are no plans, realistic plans, that have been put in place to tackle inflation. Why is that, Dan? All this inflation... It came from one source, one source, every bit of it. It didn't come from your grocery prices. It didn't come from your gas prices. It didn't come from cost of anything going up to you. It came from what the thing was that caused it all to happen. Two and a half trillion dollars in government spending, period. Everything went up because of Biden. And it's called, and it always will be going forward, Bidenflation. Can it be reversed? Yeah, in 2024, put somebody else that's a business person in the White House that can make decisions on economical issues based on economic issues and not political partisanship and promises, commitments that have been made as payback measures. This administration, this White House, is full of quid pro quo. That's your inflation, folks. One source of it. And the person at that source refuses to share any responsibility for any of it happening. Just saying. I didn't go out and spend a lot of money not especially a lot more money. I didn't have it. Don't know that I would have spent it in this economy even if I did have it. Now, this next story, this is the one that I just went postal when I heard about it. You know who Dick Durbin is. He's a very, very quiet, calm, thought-provoking senator from Illinois. Been around a long time. He and Lindsey Graham, the Republican senator from South Carolina, they're big buds. 
And Lindsey Graham, by the way, for those of you that don't know it, he is the epitome of a rhino, Republican in name only. Every morning when he leaves his house, when he walks outside going to the garage, he definitely licks his thumb and sticks it in the air to see which way the political winds are blowing that day. And that's the processes and the people he's going to support. So it, it, it's almost, and this is extreme what I'm about to say, but I think you'll understand what I mean. Every time Dick Durbin farts, Lindsey Graham says, excuse me. They are two peas out of the same pot, even though they're both from different political parties, but they've gotten together again. They got married in 2017 and they came up with, they didn't really, but they got together and patted each other on the back, probably drank a few beers and came up with that infamous dream act. You remember that one? It was amnesty. That's all it is that would give green cards and eventually naturalized American citizenship to about 2 million illegal aliens. And remember this, don't say it'll never happen. Both of them hold very powerful positions on the Senate Judiciary Committee. Yesterday, they reintroduced the DREAM Act in the Senate. After repeatedly proposing the plan, and it gets kicked down over and over and again, they started back in 2017. So let's look at some of the numbers that play in here. According to current estimates, amnesty would allow about 2 million illegals to enroll and become eligible for the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. That's DACA. What's DACA? It's that program to get green cards and eventually naturalized American citizenship. That's their plan. The DACA, those people came as young people, in many cases, babies, children. They came into the country with their illegal parents. Through no fault of their own, they've been living in the United States for some of them 30, 40 years. And they're not citizens. Graham said DACA illegals represent a class of illegal immigrants that have much public support because they were minors brought here by their parents and America has become their home. To provide relief to this population, we must first convince Americans that the unending wave of illegal immigration is going to stop. Durbin, he said, amnesty for DACA illegals is a matter of simple American fairness and justice. Before thanking Graham for his continued partnership in this important bipartisan effort. A DACA amnesty would open a surge, listen to this, of chain migration. Now, what is that? Well, part of this plan, Lindsay and Dick don't want to tell us about. It's buried inside it. Chain migration. It gives newly naturalized citizens, which would be these people that we're talking about, If you number among those, you get to bring an unlimited number of foreign relatives to the U.S., ranging from 10 million 
to 19 million foreign nationals, and they would be here legally under the DREAM Act. There's an analysis out there that says, if we put this in dollars and cents to look at, a DACA amnesty, it would cost you and me some $115 billion. It's going to cost us in everything, every area you can imagine. Obamacare, open those up to newly legalized illegals. Meanwhile, the CBO, Congressional Budget Office, has estimated that this amnesty, the DREAM Act, would cost taxpayers $26 billion. That same report from the CBO says that about one in five DACA illegals after an amnesty would end up on food stamps while at least one in seven would go on Medicaid. Back in 2013, the CBO stated that the Gang of Eight, you remember those people? Those are the four top people, two from each party in the House and two from each party in the Senate. The Gang of Eight, they had an amnesty plan that would slightly They said that word slightly pushed down wages for American workers. A 2020 CBO analysis stated that immigration has exerted downward pressure on the wages of relatively low-skill workers who are already in the country, regardless of their birthplace. Now, in this story, the most important thing you heard me saying this is this amnesty for illegal aliens is a matter of simple American fairness and justice let me just say this about that every one of the DACA recipients most of have been here for years and years I get that they were brought here by their parents. But you know what? The whole time they've been here, we've had a legal process that within it, anybody that wants to come to the United States and come legally can participate in that plan. Every one of these, if they're qualified, could have already become American citizens. They just chose not to do it. Why is that? I don't know. And to be honest with you, I'm totally open to those people starting that process to become legals. But while they're here, they're going to have to act like citizens. And they're not citizens, so they need to go through the process that each and every year, one million foreign people go through that process, one million every year, and they come to the United States, go through the process to get here legally and become citizens. That one million number, if you take the legal immigration for every other country on the globe and add them all together, The numbers every year don't even come close to the one million that the United States lets in every year. Most people don't know that. The big big thing in this, the reason this will never fly, 
they may find a way to get it through the Senate, but it will never pass the House, is it doesn't have any provision to stop illegal immigration. Think about it. They want to make, and and they estimate about 2 million. They don't have that number. They don't know the number. It could be 5, it could be 10, it could be 20. And with the chain migration piece of it, they're estimating from 10 to 19 million more foreign nationals come in because their kid that was here as a DACA minor is now going to be on the pathway to become citizens and they can just bring all their family members in. And a huge portion of them are going to be totally dependent upon the federal government. There is no such thing as the federal government being the person, the entity that this falls back on. The federal government these people are talking about is you and me. It's you and it's me. We're the ones that write the checks, pay the bills. And for one dime that is necessary for anybody, any illegal in the United States, one dime of it comes out of your pocket and my pocket and every other American. It just isn't right. It just isn't right. We're going to go to break. When we come back, Steve Baker's going to join us. But before we do go to break, I, I Trey Gowdy, gosh, he and a couple of other guys, I wish they would have never left Congress. Trey Gowdy was a, uh, is a former federal prosecutor in South Carolina. He served in the House of Representatives a couple of terms, and he couldn't stand the politics. And he went back to South Carolina, where he's in practice there. But he does a Sunday night show for Fox News. I happen to just flip it on Sunday night, which I don't normally do. I do if I'm looking for information that we need to talk about Monday morning. And maybe during the weekend, my attention was diverted elsewhere. And that was an example of why... I heard Trey Gowdy with this report. Listen up. A 14-year-old New Jersey high school student was assaulted at school in an unprovoked attack captured on video. The video began to circulate, and if being assaulted wasn't enough, some of these teenagers began harassing and belittling this 14-year-old child after the fact. Adriana Cooch was described as a gentle and loving child. She weighed less than 100 pounds and had never been in a fight before in her life. And this wasn't much of a fight either. She was attacked by a group of other students in the hallway of a school. Embarrassed and humiliated at not just being attacked, but also the video being circulated online, this 14-year-old child with bright eyes and a beautiful smile and her whole life ahead of her took her life rather than face the bullying after being assaulted. There are several layers of accountability that must be addressed. First and foremost, the students who attacked her. What leads a group of teenagers to attack another without any provocation? 
What about boasting of their assault and circulating that online? What kind of people do that? Where will the parents? It's true we cannot be with our children all day, every day. But when you found out, what did you do? When you found out your child was continuing to threaten this young girl, what did you do? When you found out your child put the video on social media as some type of trophy, what did you do? Sometimes parents are not very objective when it comes to their own children, which is why we have the police. Why did it take so long for the police to charge the perpetrators? Is it true the assailants were only charged after this young girl took her life? If it was after, if it was a crime after she committed suicide, would it not also be a crime before she committed suicide? Initially, it was just a suspension from school with no criminal charges. The school was apparently going to handle this in-house, whatever that means. I don't know the law in New Jersey, but I can tell you in South Carolina, when a group of two or more attacks a person and causes bodily injury, that's a serious criminal offense for which you can be imprisoned for a lengthy amount of time. So if it happens at the mall, it's a crime, but if it happens at school, it's not. Is that the policy of the New Jersey high schools, that it's a crime-free zone? I'm asking because I really want to know what conduct rises to the level of actually calling the police and having the police charge someone. If an attack with bodily injury is a crime outside the school setting, why isn't it a crime inside a school? What about other criminal acts, sexual assault, stealing, causing damage to property? Are those handled with suspensions too? When are the police called? And when they were called, did they investigate? The assaults on video. How long does it take to investigate an assault on video? And don't tell me you were waiting to consult the victim. Because I have yet to have a victim agree to press charges in a single murder case I ever prosecuted. Dead people cannot and do not consent to press charges. You don't wait on victim permission or consent to enforce the law. What a terrible microcosm of the world we live in. Not only believing that you can attack a person and suffer no consequences, but what kind of depravity does it take to boast about the assault on social media and continue to harass a child until she finally gives up? and takes her life. Who knows what would have happened if Adriana Cooch had been treated like the victim she was from the beginning? Who knows what would have happened if she felt protected and supported and defended? Victims should have the power of law enforcement behind them, the power of those in charge, the power of those who value justice. 14-year-old victims should not be in their bedrooms feeling isolated and alone trying to decide how to kill themselves. If you've got a young child at home, a daughter especially, and my daughters, they're amazing people. Many of you who know our daughters, you know that. They're really good people. And they're just like you and I. In many respects, they just want to be accepted They want to be able to live their lives, have their friends, do the things with their friends and family that they want to do, and everybody else just leave them alone. Bullying is the thing in this case that just tears me up. 
I cannot stand bullying, and therefore, I can't stand bullies. But you know what, moms and dads, with your kids, there are bullies out there. Be careful. Talk to Dan. Call 1-866-37-TRUTH. TNN Live. The Truth News Network. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342. 529-8342. Yo! Some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo! But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing? None of this makes sense. on Valentine's Day and Steve, did you get a Valentine from your Valentine yet? I'm going to plead the fifth, Dan. What'd you do? Oh, no, I didn't do anything. I just, I'm Valentineless uh, this uh, this year. You're an ogre. <laughs> you've got children. No, I, 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 you've got children. Your children well, didn't... Well, children. Well, they didn't say dad... You know, my kids give me stuff. I guess my kids really? like. Yeah, I guess my. Wow. I mean, my grown kids. I just wow. got a. I just got a text a minute ago from my oldest daughter. They love me. You know, I think my children love me. I, just, I, don't, think that, I don't think that we brought them up to um, share Valentine with their parents, but uh, I guess that is done elsewhere. Well, well, well. Maybe you need to rethink that process. Or is yeah, it too late? So. Is it too late? <laughs> hey, it, 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 may, it may be too late for at least one of them. I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't want to go down that road. How are you doing? I'm good. I think the last time we spoke, I was sitting in my hotel room in D.C. I spent eight days up there. Just got back into the Carolinas a couple of days ago and am now... Uh, decontaminating uh, from eight days in the swamp and then additionally decompressing from all that was going on and all that, all that happened there, all that I learned. It was, a, it was quite a trip. Well, before we launch into anything else, tell us what new came up when you were there. I'm very close to being able to talk about who I'm working with. I think I mentioned last week that I am now working with one of the groups, I can, I can tease everybody by saying it's a very, very large think tank. Everybody will know who it is when I finally say their names, when I'm clear to do so. But I'm working with a large think tank in DC that is providing investigative services for 
the new House committees that have been formed, particularly the one on the weapon, weaponization of three-letter agencies against American people, and then also uh, another House committee, which is the House Administration Committee, which uh, is a um, ongoing. Uh, that's not a select committee. That's a, that that is a, a regular House committee that oversees basically everything that happens with the administration of the Capitol, and that includes the Capitol Police. So you can imagine why they're interested in my work right now related to the Capitol Police itself. And so as a result of those uh, interactions that I had last week with that uh, group, it looks like that they are probably, I'm not going to count my chickens before they hatch, but it's very likely that they're going to bring me on the team to assist in these current investigations and hearings that are taking place related to the Capitol, related to the Capitol Police, related to January 6th, obviously. Do you really want to go down that road? I think that from my position, it's the best way for me to make the impact that I think needs to be made. Myself, other individuals that I'm working with, I I call them my team, although it is a loosely associated team who have been doing very specific and high-level investigations into what was taking place on January 6th that in order for us to get the hearing that we need for the findings that we're making, that it probably needs to happen that way. And certainly the, the group that I'm working with has the means, has the financing, has the contacts. I mean, I was sitting in meetings with staffers from uh, Congress members. So there you go. Well, I know that you'll be, um, you'll be Johnny on the spot and anything that comes out of any of that if you go down that road that you can share with us, um, we look forward to hearing from you, you keeping us posted on those things, because as you said just moments ago, there's a lot of stuff going on in Washington, D.C. that we don't know about. Yes. And so on that, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say the only downside to this is that I'm going to have to spend even more time in D.C. than I've been spending there lately. But that's... uh, uh, that's an, an unfortunate part of the process. And I will tell you that the individuals that I am working with, they are surprisingly, they seem to be, uh, despite their many years there in the swamp, they seem to be unaffected by it because they these, these seem to be individuals who are genuinely looking for the truth and are trying, and they're desperately making the efforts to right the ship. And so these are the kinds of people that if I'm going to associate directly with people living in the swamp that I want to be associated with. That's interesting. You got my, uh, you got my curiosity up now. You're going to have to talk to me off air every week (laughs) to tell me the things that you can tell me off air. Uh, I know there will be things, specific things that you won't be able to share, but it'll be interesting I know you're very inquisitive, and uh, you always ask questions and drill deep. Do you think you'll be in an environment that's conducive for you to do that? Well, the, the fact that I that I do ask deeper questions is what makes them interested in me. Uh, they're they're very intrigued by my own uh, uh, analysis and my own findings thus far. Uh, it's, you know, obviously I've been immersed in that one topic for two years now. Sure. And as a result of that, I have been able to lay out for them 
scenarios, which they have never even contemplated. Uh, I've been able to lay out for them specific incidences related to all the various moving parts and connections and individuals leading up to the event on January 6th and then thereafter that they also were completely unaware of. And these are people that are living there. And, and part of, part of being inside that, you know, that beltway is you do, uh, you do find yourself, you, when you think you're in the middle of it, you're also isolated from it because it is a bubble and you have to, you have to step outside of it in order to sometimes see things clearly. And I think part of the, the reason that I am able to process information and think my way through it sometimes more clearly is because I don't live inside that bubble. I don't mind visiting it. I don't mind going inside to deliver the news or to deliver my findings, but I've got to, I've got to get out of it because I'll tell you what, you know, eight days at a time is, is sometimes too much. I, in my um, career with my company, um, Washington Hospital Center was one of our biggest clients and I spent a good bit of time up there, and I have friends in D.C., in the D.C. area, and often we would get together for dinner and just catch up people that I went to college with many years ago. And the most incredible thing to me was how they literally live in a different world. They don't think the same way that people outside the Beltway think, and they don't understand why we don't, aren't just immersed in their like think that they're immersed in and therefore they think that way, they live that way. DC does that to people. I can see having an outsider in the mix that's a professional, especially an investigative journalist. They would look at you. They would be cautious, but they would, if they're really sincere and genuine about what their goals and objectives are, they would want someone like you involved in the mix, if for no other reason, to give you to give them some more objective opinions about things. I think you'll be able to make a big. These, yeah. I think you'll be able to make a big difference. I think these guys recognize that. I think that they understand that that's the case, and that my perspective is fresh. Just kind of distill it down to that uh, from their own uh, mode of thinking and the way that they approach the process. And my approach to the process is uh, not trained by any means, but it's it's um, it's aggressive, and it's also a, an approach in which I don't care where the truth takes me. You and I have talked about this before, and that is part I think of the success that I'm having in making the connections that I'm making is that they, the individuals, whether we're talking about whistleblowers, whether we're talking about whistleblowers inside the uh, Treasury Department, the, the Capitol Police, FBI, the Department of Justice that I have been talking to of late, those individuals are willing to talk to me. Some of them have approached me themselves. I have not, I've not sought them out. They've sought me out. Is because I think that they see from my writings and my style, the way I'm going after this is that I don't care where the truth leads. I just want the truth. I don't want your truth. I don't want my truth. I don't want their truth. I want the truth. And, and it doesn't matter whose desk, uh, or whose, um, uh, hidden file cabinet that that truth leads to. Well, keep us posted. 
stick your nose in there and get as much and keep as much information <laughs> as you can. Um, yeah. And be careful. That's all I have to say. Let's segue. We, uh, well, I am definitely doing that. Uh, well, I know you are. Let's segue towards some of the, you know, the really big things that I'm sure you know way, way more than we do. Let's <laughs> let's start with uh, what I've termed balloon gate. <laughs> yeah. It's been it's only been a week since you were on the show last and we had already had we'd already had one balloon, but now we've had three more. And we don't know anything. <laughs> we know nothing. And that's dangerous for Americans because we'll always say something, something. We never just let it float out there and stay with a question mark on it because we can't do that. We're supposed to know everything, especially people like you and me. So I'm, I've, I waited anxiously, bated breath. <laughs> Tell me the truth about the Biden balloon gate. What the heck it's are aliens, these things? Dan. It, it's an alien invasion, Dan. That's what it is. Don't you know? They won't deny it, you know, standing in front of the uh, the podium in front of the press corps. They won't deny that it's aliens. But, you know, let, let's, let's be, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be silly about that. I want it to be. If, if there's one thing that I want to happen in my lifetime, and this is because of my lifelong um, love of science fiction and growing up on Star Trek, I I want to be alive when we make that connection with an you know a, a, an alien civilization, and so that's everything that I want it to be. But my logical mind says that aliens are not invading us with balloons. Okay, if they were, the alien balloons would not be so easily shot down by our our you know sidewinder missiles, and and furthermore. Even our own incompetent government knew that these were aliens. Do you really think that we'd be purposefully angering beings capable of interstellar flight by shooting them down? <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, I know Biden has no problem, uh, uh, seems to have no problem angering uh, Putin and his uh, stockpile of nuclear weapons with all that we're doing in Ukraine. But I just don't believe that the, the powers that be would be ad hoc shooting down alien aircraft. It just doesn't make sense. So I think everybody in your audience can set that aside, regardless of um, whatever tinfoil hat um, experiences that they have or <laughs> whatever, whatever they believe about what goes on in the world. I think we can let that one go. Uh, are they, are they Chinese uh Aircraft, balloons, Russian. I don't know. There seems to be there seems to be two things that are happening right now. And what I'm what I'm most concerned about is this uh, cooperative militaristic alliance that is taking place right now between Russia and China. And this cooperation that's happening seems to be manifesting itself in increased surveillance of not just our own assets around the world, but also we've seen. Um, recently, and in, in, especially in the last year and in the lead up to the uh, Ukrainian war, there was a lot more surveillance from the Russians in, um, for instance, the Scandinavian territories, submarines invading their, their um, uh, sovereign space. 
aircraft uh, surveillance taking place there, really frightening uh, Swedes and the Finns and, and such. And so now we're seeing this seeming increased activity, but do we really know it? Do we know that it's increased or is this just typical? Is just is just workaday spy business that we all do, uh, that we all initiate uh, between countries because all major powers on this planet have very aggressive surveillance operations and this is going on all the time. We're watching them all the time. They're watching us all the time. It's just, it's, um, it's just the modus operandi of, of uh, big, big nations with big budgets that can do that. So I don't know if this is something that is increasing right now or if it's something because they got caught with their pants down in this big balloon that was shot down off the coast of South Carolina that um, now that we're having to make a show of force and taking out minor operations or little you know drone type surveillance uh, balloons that are that are here all the time. I don't know that. I mean, and nobody knows. Uh, I, I don't know anybody myself that knows for sure. And certainly, if they know, they can't talk about it. They're not allowed to. So, let me just let me just give you a little inside scoop I got right before we went live on the air. I know what's going on. It began mm. about, it began about 45 days ago. Xi Jinping was in a poker game and one of his key confidants that's the head of probably top tier head of the Chinese army made a bet with Xi Jinping and it all boiled around finding a way to embarrass the United States of America. And so they had a few drinks and it just got out of hands. And so they decided to find a way to embarrass President Joe Biden. And the balloons were the obvious, most, you know, reasonable because they're not fast flying. And to embarrass Joe Biden, it can't be fast flying. It's got to be moving really slow. (laughs) so he can, you know, get his arms around what it's all about. And, of course, he has. That's why he's come out every day to inform the American people about what's going on. Now, my version of what it was about is just as believable as any other one that anybody with any kind of position in the government has maintained it could be. Yesterday, I went nuts. I just happened to see... The uh, press briefing, uh, not the Corinne Jean-Pierre press briefing, but the other one with right. Admiral Kirby. Right. And yeah. his explanation was, well, it was happening during the Trump administration. How did Donald right. Trump not see it and learn about it? If well, They can't speak. They can't speak without uh, bringing Trump into the conversation. <laughs> That's not even possible. My my wife had a hangnail yesterday, and I know Donald Trump had something to do with it. <laughs> I mean, exactly it, right. this is this is insane. We have real bad stuff that's happening. We have real bad and evil things going on in our government. We're sending billions of dollars to a Nazi that's a former actor in Ukraine, and we're sending it through cryptocurrency 
And a huge portion of that $113 billion that went to Ukraine, it didn't get to Ukraine. Nobody's asking any questions. You can't ask questions if it's about something going on that's politically correct. If you dare ask a question about the substance of the matter, you're an evil MAGA Republican, and you've got to just be zeroed out of existence. That's the world in which we live. There's no facts. There's no foundation. Nothing's believable, but you can say anything. And if you happen to be politically connected at that moment when you say it, what you say, that's fine. We're going to make decisions, national emergency decisions, based upon what you said, because you're woke. It's crazy. To, yeah, to me, to me, the most obvious explanation, and this is putting my political hat on, not my... Um, investigative hat. It's not because I know anything special or from anyone uh, well-connected. It is simply this, is you did hit on one thing very accurately, regardless of whether it happened over a, you know, a poker match or not. Biden was in fact politically embarrassed by allowing that first balloon to be tracked by NORAD. Obviously he's getting reports on it. He has a he has a national security briefing every single morning there in the White House or wherever he happens to be, Camp David or Delaware, uh, any of his other uh, homes or vacation spots. He gets that briefing every single morning. So they they knew about that balloon uh, ten days, two weeks in advance before it crossed over into our um, contiguous states. And as a result of that, and the fallout from uh, the, the political side of it is that I believe that they decided to go ahead and make a show thereafter of shooting down some of these other minor uh, drone-type balloons that the skies are filled with. And by the way, Dan, I, I'm one of those guys, as you know, as soon as I start reading about these things, I, I start looking up things on the, you know, go to the internet. And didn't have to go far. I just had to go to Amazon.com. I had to go to eBay.com, and I found that you can... You can buy these weather balloons quite large. I'm talking about big ones, anywhere from you know 22 to 27, 40 feet across when they're fully inflated, and they're the the pricing on them are from $99 to 400 bucks. That you can buy your own weather balloon. Once you've inflated that thing, you can send that up into the strat. And these are balloons that will, in fact, go up into the stratosphere. Right. And if the if the average private citizen can buy these balloons. I would imagine that the stratosphere is full of them all the time, which gives the our Defense Department and NORAD a lot of things they have to be looking at all of the time. And I just think that Biden was so embarrassed by this that they he gave directive to his people, um, to his uh, you know uh, his uh, uh, chief of staff there, or the, or the Joint Chiefs of Staff, to go up and shoot down a few things and make it look like we're doing something. And I think that's what they've done. You're probably right. Probably right. Well, I think it's no more complicated than that. So I guess what we're saying is you and I, when we put our heads together today, we concluded about balloon gate that we don't know anything (laughs) about balloon gate. (laughs) Anything we say is just conjecture. 
It's just that's it. This, it, it, it. It's all conjecture. Yeah, it yeah. is. And this just describes exactly what political environment this president and his administration has put us in. We get very few substantive answers about any of our questions about what's going on, the whys and who and when and where. We can't even get the simple things nailed down. And any answer that we get, it's usually pontificated, and it comes from one specific perspective that's given to the president by someone else. And he says it as long as he can stay on teleprompter. Meanwhile, there's a lot of really serious stuff going on. What do you think about the Proud Boys information that came out overnight? Well, this has been developing for a long time because this document, this 1776 document that they're talking about in the case was actually, I think it was first presented as far back as June or July of uh, last year, uh, maybe even before that. But this document now we know was not a document created by the Proud Boys. And I did hear you tease this in your first hour. And we know now that this document was actually produced by a um, an individual who is uh, somewhat of a high-level security uh, analyst guy. He's been working out of um, oh gosh, what's the uh, what's the base there just outside of Tampa? I should know that. My my daughter just lived there for two years. Uh, his name is I had it, Samuel Arms. Uh, he is uh, a guy that on his resume showed that he had been working and involved with multiple government informants himself, uh, that he uh, told the January 6th uh, select committee last year that he had also worked for the State Department and Special Operations Command out of McDill Air Force Base there in Tampa. And uh, it has also come out, and the FBI themselves have even admitted that there is no evidence whatsoever that this particular document was ever opened by, and I don't think it was sent to uh, Enrique Tario, the president or the founder of the, of the Proud Boys. I don't believe that it was even sent to him until December 30th of 2021, so just seven or eight days before the January 6th event, and that they had no evidence whatsoever that he ever passed it around to anybody else. That there's, In fact, they have no electronic evidence that he ever even opened the, the document. And so they've been using this uh, document called 1776 Returns, which was supposed to be the actual battle plan, the plan of attack, the advanced plan of attack on the Capitol. And in all of these indictments, this document has been cited. But now we know that the document was not created by the Proud Boys. It was not created by the Oath Keepers. It was sent to them by somebody on the inside of the government who works with intelligence operations and that there is no evidence that A, that um, Tario ever opened it or that he ever passed it around to any of the other Proud Boys. So this is a bombshell. Let me ask you this about Tario. He's been charged with seditious conspiracy, and Mm -hmm. uh, he's still, they're not through with him yet. He's in trial along with four fellow members of the Proud Boys. Exactly how does this play into this whole January 6th mystery that it just seems like, Steve, about every week when you get here, maybe every other week, there's something new that's being exposed about the January 6th events and the players and who did what and when and who knew what. 
Does it because we're now oh yeah we're now over two years since that event Dan and the reason why it's becoming a big deal and it should be a big deal unfortunately the mainstream press is not covering it to the level that the likes of you and I are doing it and some others like Julie Kelly uh, and very 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 few others and the reason why they're not covering it is because these explosive and what we would call uh, exculpatory uh, events are taking place. But the reason why it's all hot again two years later is because there's so many trials taking place concurrently. We are we are into the trial phase now. For the first two years, we had uh, uh, just plea deals, basically. We had plea deal after plea deal after plea deal. We, we did have a few uh, bench trials that were single defendants with minor charges, even, even like myself, independent investigators that – decided to go, uh, they, they were not going to plead guilty to anything because they just followed the story when the story went into the Capitol building and they did get charged with misdemeanor charges and they decided to go and take bench trials. So we didn't hear anything about those, but now we're into the big ones. And, uh, obviously the first really big trial was the, the, the initial Oath Keeper trial that I was there every day uh, for nine weeks. And then we had the second Oath Keeper trial, which just complete, uh, concluded a couple of weeks ago. Now the third one has begun, the third Oath Keeper trial. And in the midst of all this is a very extended and very protracted Proud Boys trial. And that's because more and more of this type of, uh, of bombshell evidence is coming out in this particular trial. And one another thing that's happening that's, that's causing these uh, revelatory uh, events to, to take place and be revealed is that these defense teams obviously are learning from one another. They're learning from the mistakes of the previous team. They're learning to dig deeper with every single, every time they pull back a layer, there's, they're finding something else underneath that. And then there's another layer underneath that one. And that's why we're seeing these things right now. Unfortunately, uh, the guys that are covering it in the mainstream are not covering it in the same way that I, I mean, I've just, I've spent obviously the last couple of days doing a little bit of catching up on the Proud Boys thing because I've not been uh, I've not been there at that trial. I only attended one day of that trial early on, and that was just during a jury selection. But the the reason why I haven't been covering this one is I've been so involved in the uh, Capitol Police story that I'm working on right now, and I should I'm hoping to have part three of that story out this week, but. My point being is, is that in my catch up on the Proud Boys trial here in the last couple of days, I've been able to look at this and see how these things are being revealed. It is, it is a slow grinding process to get the truth out there. And unfortunately, as I'm reading the mainstream media stories on it, they only, just like in the first Oath Keepers trial, they're only covering half of the events that are taking place in this trial. They, they, they're, they're, operation and it seems to be collusion between the different uh, mainstream media sources and we've seen that before in different uh, issues yeah, not just yeah. January 6th yeah. is is that they seem to compare notes and then you will get almost the same headlines from each of them you certainly get the same review of that day's activities in any particular trial because what they do is they cover what the government what the prosecutors are doing what they they cover their questions and their answers from their defendants. And then they leave out of their stories what is taking place when cross-examination is happening by the defense and the defense is tearing them apart. And that's what happened in the first Oath Keepers trial. 
we've talked about this before. I think there was something like nine different FBI agents that testified in the Oath Keepers trial, the first one. Nine different FBI agents all called, obviously, by the government, by the prosecutors, by the Department of Justice. And all nine of those FBI agents said on the stand under cross-examination that they had no written, no verbal proof whatsoever of Oathkeeper leadership initiating, calling for, or suggesting a plan to enter the Capitol, overthrow the government, disrupt the um, uh, certification of the Electoral College vote, just didn't exist, but that was the government's case. And about two-thirds of the way through that trial, the government realized that they were having their butts handed to them, and they switched gears. We talked about this, and they, they implemented this new idea to the jury that it was Okay, so it wasn't an explicit plan. We have no evidence of that, but it was an implied plan. It was an implicit plan. Yeah. It was a thought plan. Yeah. And, th- and that's, that's what the government has had to work with at this point. So for the audience, the 1776 document, it, it was a plan to occupy eight key buildings in D.C., eight of them, House, Senate office buildings, and the Supreme Court. And it called for mass mobilization of followers and that's where the seditious uh, charge came out for Tario but he got this thing he got it as you said in the last week the last week of December or maybe on January 2nd only days before and there's no proof that he ever did anything with it and it was authored in part by somebody that is a product of the intelligence committee. And, uh, you know, this is crazy. They're destroying people's lives every day. And this is our government. We can't spend a lot of time on this, but we're going to, by the way, we're going to post the the document, the 1776 Mm. document on our website later today if somebody wants to uh, take a look at it. In our last few minutes here, my friend, these are not the only things that are keeping us up at night trying to figure them out. Train wrecks, yeah. explosions. <laughs> I mean, there's stuff happening all over the place. Uh, Billings, Montana, a few days ago, a big explosion there. No explanation for it. Loud booms over New Jersey last month. Um, Georgia. A monument was blown up. No explanation for it. And one of these explosions that had happened, the police confirmed that it was caused by a meteor. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. what, what what's going on? I mean, you, you've you you're a Christian. You come from a Christian background. Is this the end of it all here? Are we headed to heaven? What's happening? <laughs> Well, you know, uh, obviously when, when you grow up in the kind of church that I grew up in and, and with the type of evangelists that came through and had held those uh, fire and brimstone revivals, you know, we always were hearing about uh, in the last days there would be uh, wars and rumors of wars and the earthquakes and all of this. And, uh, damn, uh, I'm going to take off my tenfold hat once again. Let me just give you an example here. All right. 
here, I'm, here I'm is, right there here with is, you. I'm right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> here is here's a couple of things that everyone needs to just take a deep breath and, and calm down a little bit about. All right. This particular derailment with all of the, um, uh, the chemicals that have been spilled and set on fire in Ohio. This was just the, yeah, this of, is the worst one. Yeah. Yeah, this, there's a lot of interesting questions around this one, and they go back to political motivations that we're, we need to we need to get answers to. Why right. why has the mainstream press avoided that up until just the last two days? They basically ignored it. Why has uh, our Secretary of Transportation, Pete, you know, Buttery Gig, whatever his name is, um, why why did he wait ten full days before even commenting on that particular incident? Uh, he waited until after eight o'clock last night and after he was getting brutalized for his speech yesterday when he was talking about um, uh, not something not even in worthy of his discussion in his department uh, as a secretary of transportation. He was talking about the fact that there were too many white people working on construction jobs in America. I, and, and, and Dan, I don't know if he's actually <laughs> been to a construction site in the last 20 years. I have. I have. Yeah. And at least ninety five percent of that workforce is in fact Hispanic now. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what he's talking about. But the point being is, is that he waited for over ten days before he ever even mentioned this, and and obviously a train wreck would be in his uh, department's purview, and obviously one that's uh, a disaster of this magnitude would be something you would expect somebody from the administration to address and being the secretary of transportation, you would think he would have addressed it before eight o'clock last night, but he finally got uh, embarrassed into having to mention it. But having laid that groundwork, I will tell you this, and this is the, uh, how did, how did uh, Gore put it? The, uh, uh, inconvenient, uh, truth of the matter is, is that since 1990, since we started counting these things, there is an average of 1,704 train derailments per year. That's about four and a half a day. Now, we don't hear about them because most of them happen in very rural areas or minor, minor derailments. There's no injuries. They get them back on the tracks very quickly. Um, but when you have a big event like this, it's like the best way I know to put it is when you buy a new car, whatever, you, you know, if you buy your new white Toyota um, Camry and you get out on the highway, what do you start seeing everywhere? You start seeing white Toyota Camrys everywhere. You suddenly realize that half the population has a white Toyota Camry. Yeah. And, but you, you didn't know that until you bought one. You just thought it was a great looking car and you bought it. And so that's what's happening right now in the, populist in our, in our, you know, our perspective, our peripheral vision is we see a big event like that. And then we start noticing then all of them. And we start going, why is this happening? Why did we have three huge, you know, derailments in just the last few days? No, it, it, it actually happens all the time, but we had a big one that drew everybody's attention to it. It's finally getting into our consciousness of what's been happening in Ohio. And now we start seeing all the other ones that are taking place, but there's an average of four and a half train derailments a day just in this country alone. The other thing, of course, is, and though even, even though the mainstream media, uh, particularly the cable news channels, have largely ignored that Ohio event uh, up until just the last couple of days, now that they're on it, we now 
are getting it 24 hours a day on a half a dozen different cable news networks and it's hitting the internet. So if you're signing on to Twitter, Facebook, uh, whatever, uh, whatever you subscribe to on the internet, you're seeing these, these reports now. And so now it seems to be um, a current and uh, immediate event that's taking place when in fact it's something that happens all the time. It just so happens that in Ohio, this is a big one. That's a devastating event. If it's not good news and it doesn't sell newspapers and get eyeballs on television reports, they won't cover it. This is big news. So is Balloon Gate and every other yeah. thing that we talked about today. They're newsworthy. Americans are foaming to get facts, to try to understand things. And to be quite honest with you, this ad- presidential administration when it comes to the dissemination of real information, they're not so good about it. Yeah, yeah, S- Steve. And, and the truth, the truth of the matter, the truth of the matter is, you can see the difference, though, in the political agenda. There's something, there's something going on with this particular event in Ohio that we don't know. That it's again, we can talk, we can say the same thing we that we can say about our discussion on the balloons. We don't know yet correct why they avoided this story for so long because um if it was three mile island (laughs) which had which probably had far less long-term effects than what this event is going to have um they were all over that because obviously something related to nuclear energy is something that they want to um criticize something that they want to hype they want to create a uh, they want they want to take basically a non-event and turn it into a national disaster whereas with this particular thing uh it's got my radar way up right now my antennas are are fully extended on this one because there's there's a reason why they avoided talking about this in for 10 days and we're watching it don't know what that is yet we have a couple of people on the ground in that particular area that are, are looking around and trying to find out there, like you said, there's more to the story than we're being told. Steve-O, always great to have you here every Tuesday. Thanks for the information you bring, and we'll, of course, be waiting to get anything else between here and next Tuesday that you feel like we need to know. And to be quite honest with you, you know this, you can call in, and we'll just throw you up live on the air anytime. Just let us know. We'll, we'll do it. Thanks, Dan. Have a great one. Steve Baker, uh, roaming the earth. He's back home in Carolina, and he's probably headed back to D.C. We've got a couple of big things to tell you about right after this. The new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help. Alexa, what time is it? What the hell is wrong with this blasted thing? Amanda! But the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids done bought me a busted machine again. Odessa! That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver, the only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the weather. Allegra. What is the weather outside? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny. I don't know about that. The latest in sports. Clarissa, 
many did old Satchel strike out last night? Satchel Page died in 1982. How many he get? Satchel Page is dead. In what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Page. Oh. I don't know about that. Even local news and pop culture. Manita, what them boys up to across the street? They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. I don't know about that. Compare <laughs> it to smart devices like your thermostat. Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alize? The new Amazon Echo Silver plays all the music they loved when they were young. Angela, play black jazz. Playing, uh, jazz. It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things. Emilia, where did I put the phone? The phone is in your right hand. And it has an uh-huh feature for long rambling stories. So then I gave him five dollars, and he said I only gave him one dollar. Uh-huh. I said, I know I gave you a five. Uh-huh. Because I only had a five and a one only. Uh-huh. And this is the one dollar right here. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you tell me who's crazy. Amazon Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver, send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now. In the clown car of the deep state, you will never find a greater den of scum and villainy. You need a hero. Here again, blaster in hand, is Dan Newman. Isn't it amazing when we find out there's something that we know about, but all we can do is know about it? We can't get facts. And that just blows my mind. It drives me absolutely crazy, to be quite honest with you. I always want to know if it's something important, I need to know about it. I need to get the facts. I guess that's the most troubling thing about this balloon gate thing that we have going on. The president, the president hasn't even got on camera to tell us anything, even if it's just to say, hey, our government, our administration is on top of all of these things. We're not in a position where we can yet give you all the details. I'll do it personally as soon as possible. But you need to understand, we're on top of it. Everything's okay. I mean, even Prime Minister Trudeau in Canada, he went national when we blew the one out of um Canadian airspace over the weekend. He came up and talked to his people, not our president. That probably is a story of its own, don't you think? Let me tell you something else that just popped up late yesterday. Our State Department ordered every American citizen in Russia to leave immediately as the war in Ukraine ramps up, concerns over arbitrary detentions mount. Here's what it said, the warning they put out. U.S. citizens residing or traveling in Russia should depart immediately. Exercise increased caution due to the risk of wrongful detentions. And then another message, they put this out to Americans, all of us, do not 
travel to Russia. Now, our embassy there in Moscow warned its ability to help U.S. citizens in Russia was very limited because of staffing limitations, because of travel restrictions, and the suspension of consular services. All Americans have been warned to find a way out of the country immediately and reminded that U.S. debit or credit cards do not work in Russia and the electronic transfer of funds has become increasingly difficult because of sanctions. Those are things that we don't hear about unless you travel a lot. I'm fixing to get on a plane and go to Israel next week. We've told you we're going to be doing the show live for, well, I guess about seven days, live from Israel every day. And um, I've traveled, I won't say extensively, but I've traveled internationally quite a bit. It is sometimes difficult to go from place to place. Different rules, uh, different things that you have to do, many things that you can't do. So it's kind of spooky. I can't imagine today living in Russia, period. It's got to come with a lot of uncertain things that are a bit scary, don't you think? I mean, I think it's just common sense. So last night, Laura Ingram on Fox, she had Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton, and they discussed the realities. Now, you heard Steve and I talking about them, but the realities of Balloongate. Joining me now is Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton, member of the Senate Armed Services Committee. Senator, um, we learned more today about this object that was downed over Lake Huron. Um, that our first attempt at the balloon missed, and number two, that it had its payload underneath it and that it did indeed fly over sensitive sites. So where's the president of the United States addressing the nation about any of this? Laura, I think that's a great point. Uh, The American people deserve an explanation from the president about exactly what he thinks these objects were and why we shot them down just a week after letting a obvious Chinese spy balloon fly fly all across America. I mean, Justin Trudeau gave that to the people of Canada last week when an American aircraft downed one of these objects over Canada. Uh, Surely, surely Justin Trudeau is not a more decisive and stronger leader than American president. I hope that's not the world in which we're living. The president needs to come forward on camera, speaking directly to the American people, stop sending out mouthpieces and anonymous sources. You know, it reminds me of the time when Ronald Reagan spoke to the American people just days after Soviet Russia shot down a Korean Airlines flight, or George H.W. Bush spoke to the American people a couple days after Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. In these kind of moments, the American people deserve to hear from the president, not from mouthpieces and press secretaries. Now, Senator, the administration is still trying to act like Biden's been super decisive and totally in control this whole time. Watch. When it comes to these higher altitudes, are America's borders secure? The president takes uh, our national security uh, extremely seriously. I don't think you need to look any further, quite frankly, than the decisions he's made in just the last week to 10 days uh, to evidence that. Senator, do you see a consistent approach to 
uh, these unidentified aerial phenomenon or objects that are flying in the sky? Is there consistency here? No, Laura, I will say this, though. Here's what we do know. We know these things uh, about the first balloon. Uh, there's nothing more than what meets the eye here. China spin up, sent a balloon to spy on America. The administration identified it before it, it entered the Alaskan airspace. President Biden had a chance to shoot it down. He chose not to. The balloon then flew all across America, spying on America. I think part of what we see now is the president and his political handlers worried about the criticism they received for that failure. Um, but really, that's just one in a string of failures going back to the beginning of this administration that has projected weakness and intimidation on the part of Joe Biden towards the Chinese communists. Remember. Uh, after the collapse of Afghanistan, Chinese propaganda outlets were talking about uh, an Afghan effect. Unfortunately, I think we may see another echo in these objects of the so-called Afghan effect. Well, after all that's uh, happened, Senator, just in the past 10 days, the administration is, seems still quite uh, insistent upon meeting with China. Watch. Is there an act of intention to meet with Wang Yi? in Munich later this week. We're always uh, assessing uh, options for diplomacy. Uh, I'll have to let the PRC speak to uh, Wang Yi's potential travel. If it has the opportunity to uh, be constructive and useful, of course, that's something uh, that, that we would take a look at. Now, Senator Cotton, should this meeting in any way, shape or form go forward? Uh, I don't think it should, Laura. You know, if it were Ronald Reagan sending George Schultz or Cap Weinberger or George Bush sending Bob Gates to meet with their Russian counterparts, that'd be one thing. But color me skeptical that Joe Biden sending Tony <laughs> Blinken to meet with this Chinese counterpart under these circumstances is going to result in a safer, stronger America. So there we are. <laughs> we don't know. We don't have any idea. And people that are really plugged in in our politics, in our system, Tom Cotton. I mean, he's way up in the Republican hierarchy in the U.S. Senate. He doesn't know. We're not told anything. And so what do we do? We fret. We worry about things. Let's just do this, closing the show today. Let's just sit back, take a deep breath, and let it out real slowly. And then listen to good sounds and a relaxing song to end the day. See you tomorrow right here. Amazing grace How sweet the sound That I see.